you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy. We're going to have a look through the first five verses, okay? So don't stress, I can't talk too much on five verses, all right? And hopefully something that will encourage these guys as they step into this next stage of their journey, but also something that will encourage all of us. So, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, it's on the screens. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. So three things I want to focus on. Firstly, in that greeting. You know, the greeting is something that Paul writes in all his letters, and it's something that you can often skip over. It's like, it's just, yeah, I know what he's saying. And in 2 Timothy, it's interesting because he writes, Paul, an apostle of God by the will of, an apostle of Jesus by the will of God. These are, in four other letters, we find that exact phrase or a slight variation of it. But then after that comes this line, it says, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. This is a phrase that Paul doesn't use in any of his other letters, completely unique to this situation, which makes sense when you understand where he's at. He's most likely, he's writing from prison at the end of his life, and he's been in prison before, so we hear Paul prison, we think, oh, it's not a big deal, but this is like a bit more serious than usual. He's in more of a dungeon rather than house arrest, which is what happened before. He's in a dungeon, he's got chains, he's really like at the end of his days. He's about to be executed and facing the death penalty in Rome. Really like full-on stuff. And so when he writes this greeting, he just adds this little line almost to remind himself and to remind Timothy that there is a promise of life in Christ Jesus. And that's the first thing that I think, Riley, Ruben, I want you guys to remember from this and from today but also that we'll all remember that there's a promise of life in Christ Jesus. Like they both shared and like we've talked about already, that there there are difficult days that we face. There are challenges that happen in life, storms, deserts, whatever language we use. And really the question is, is where do we go in that place? And my prayer is that like we sang in that song, that actually we'll just run to the Father. That when we need refuge, that he would be the one that we go to. When we're trying to figure out what is life all about, we'd actually go to the one who created it. That there is a promise of life in Christ Jesus. And so as we testify and as we say, yeah, I believe this, it's not just I believe him as my saviour, but I'm also saying he's my Lord. And he's the one that I want to follow, knowing that he leads to life. And that is what we cling on to. Because sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Sometimes it feels like I'm just doing these things and like, oh, it's a bit hard and there's discipline and it's like, oh man, it's not always fantastic. 
but we hold on to this promise that there is life in Jesus. And notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that there is life in heaven or there is life in a group or in a church building or that there is life in an experience or in a gifting or anything like that. It says there is life in Christ Jesus. Life is found in a person and in that person you can have a relationship with now. It's not just a one-day thing. It's not just one day I will get to live with Jesus in heaven and that will be life. Yes, that will be life and all of it. That will be you know, the complete perfection. And we long for that day. And Paul talks about that later in the letter. But he also says that there is something here now for us. That there is a promise in life in Christ Jesus. Because of what he's done on the cross, because of who he is, we can actually follow him into life in all of its fullness here and now. It doesn't mean it'll be perfectly easy. I mean, Paul's writing from prison, facing death. But he's holding on to this promise that there is life in Jesus. And I pray that for each of us, we would know that too. No matter the days that we face, that we would be able to hold on to that promise and keep following him into life. It's like... There's, you know, in theology we talked about like the now and not yet. It's like when you watch a movie trailer. I don't know if any of you love movie. I love movie trailers. Anyone seen the new Star Wars trailer? Oh man, I've like watched that and watched that and watched that. And like you can pause it and you can find all these cool things. And there's this new lightsaber. And then Ray's going to the dark side. And it's like, what is going on? And it's awesome. And there's enough in that to keep you going. There's enough in the trailer to sort of break it down, to enjoy it, to love it. But the purpose of the trailer is to get you excited and to anticipate the full-length movie. And so we have life in Jesus now. And there's more than enough for us, not just to survive this world, but also to thrive in this world. And we see lives and communities transformed, and it's fantastic. But it is also just a taste of what is to come to get us eagerly anticipating the day when Jesus will return and make all things new. So there's a promise in life, of life in Christ Jesus. The second thing that, that Paul encourages Timothy with, if you read the language, he sort of talks about my beloved child. You know, he's the one. I'm constantly praying for you night and day. It's kind of language that we probably couldn't get away with saying nowadays because of their child safe policy. I don't think I could say this to any of my youth kids. Like when he says my beloved child, he's using the word agape. This is like the strongest word of love in the Greek vocabulary. And he's saying, you know, Timothy, you're going to go into some difficult days. You know, Paul describes the faith as this good fight of faith in 2 Timothy chapter 4. So you're going into this fight and you're going to this struggle. And what I want you to know, first and foremost, before we get into the practicalities, before we get into the warnings and the specific things I want you to do, first thing I want you to know, there's a promise of life. Second thing, I want you to know that I love you. There's so many important things that we feel like Paul could write. There's so many important things that he could say, but he just reminds Timothy first up that he loves him. And you think that's a bit weird. Surely there's more important things to do. But the reality is when you head into the fight, 
for Riley and Reuben, you know, we've described it as spiritual warfare. It's a battle. It's not easy. There's difficult days ahead. You need to know who's in your corner. And, I mean, it's pretty cool if Paul's in your corner because Paul's like the super apostle, you know. But the reality is, forget status, forget authority. Look at how much Paul loves Timothy and that's what makes it special that he's in the corner. And hopefully, Riley and Reuben, you guys can see, you can, I, mean, you can have, I mean, you've been up here, you can see everyone. But you know, hopefully you know that there are people in your corner today. And going into this journey ahead. People who will love you, who will support you, who will ask you annoying questions, who will challenge you, who will look after you, invest in you. And hopefully we all know that. Hopefully we all know that there are people in our corner who love us and who will support us in the fight of faith. And really quickly, you know, because, I mean, sometimes, I'll be honest, sometimes I don't always feel that. I know that, but I don't always feel that. And do you know what the reason is, I reckon, or what I've noticed in my life, is that is more often my fault than other people's fault. My independent ways have led to my isolated days. I've written that in a song once, that's why it sounds good. But seriously, the more and more I try and do it myself and say, no, nah, I've got this, the more and more it leads actually to my isolation. And so... The question for us is maybe not who is in your corner, but who are you allowing into your corner? Who are you asking into your corner? Who are you saying, actually, I need you. I need your help. I need you because there's a battle, there's a fight, and I need to know who is in my corner. And actually asking them to support you and to love you in this journey of faith. The third thing that Paul writes, and so cool that we had, like we had planned to start this series months ago before these guys had said that they wanted to do their, do their pro faiths. And then we gave them a few options of the dates as a date we landed on. And so cool that we have examples of what we read. Grandmas, mothers, and now Timothy. And now Riley, and now Reuben. This faith that first dwelt in people before has now here. And I just think it's the most beautiful little reminder that God does. And for many of us, there, we have plenty of examples like that within our church of, of faith being gone through. And the beauty of that is not so much the strength of the faith of people, though that is important. The beauty of that is the God who carries those people through. When you understand their stories and you understand what's going on, you understand what God has done to bring them to that point where faith has lasted, where faith has gone on. You know, in Hebrews 11, we get this great chapter of the Bible where it lists all these heroes of the faith. It gives a definition of faith. And then there's all these examples. It says, by faith, Moses did this. By faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Jacob. You know, and it lists, lists, lists. And then it lists people who it didn't go so well for. By faith, these people who got murdered, who suffered, who got tortured. And then 
at the end of that, into chapter 12, it says, Therefore, because of all that, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, since we've got all these people who have gone before us, therefore, let us run this race with perseverance. So because of what's gone on before, we can actually run with perseverance because we know that these people who have gone before testify to the fact that Jesus is our author and perfecter of our faith. The people who have gone before actually witness to that. They testify to that. And so just as Riley and Reuben testify to that, there's people before who testify to that. And so we can run fixing our eyes on Jesus and we can run knowing that there is a cloud of witnesses behind us spurring us forward because of what's happened behind. Because here's the thing, look what Paul writes. He says, I am reminded of Timothy's sincere faith. And that's what I pray would be this morning and for all of us that we would have this sincere faith. The evidence, you know, we can sort of talk about what does sincere faith mean? What does that look like? But the evidence of these verses is that sincere faith is lasting faith. Faith that lasted through the grandmother, faith that lasted through the mother, and the faith that now dwells in Timothy. Sincere faith is lasting faith. You know, Jesus said, I've appointed you, I've chosen you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so today is a great celebration. I don't want to downplay that at all. But my heart and my prayer, and I hope the prayer of our church, is that in 70 years' time, we'd be able to get Riley and Reuben up, and they would also be able to testify to their faith. In 70 years' time. No pressure. But, do you know, like, that is our heart. That, that is what discipleship is looking like. It's not about a moment, but it's about a lifetime. It's about building people for the long term. Because if it's just a short-term focus, if it's just about a moment, then we'll be undone by the difficult days that we face. But we need to have a long-term view so that through the highlands and the heartache, through the good, through the bad, that we can see people who grow in faith through, from strength to strength through all their days. Yeah, we were at the beach last week at the baptism, and I think, I think it was Priscilla who prayed, may today be the day you love Jesus least. And like I loved that thought, and I was just captured by it this week. That thought, Riley and Reuben, for the rest of us here, that actually today would be a bit of a marker in the road for you guys especially, that from here on, I'm going to continue to grow in my faith. Because it's not just about today. But it's about continuing to follow Jesus all the days of my life. So that we can say with Paul. You know, look what he writes in chapter 4, verse 6, 7. He says, I have fought the good fight of faith. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. And like I just go, man, I want that to be me. I want that to be us. I want that to be the young people in our youth ministry. I want that to be each and every person in our church that it wouldn't just be about today, but that we would be able to last the distance. And here's the thing. That's really hard. It's not easy. But 
we don't do it ourselves. It's not about whether I'm strong enough. It's not about whether I'm smart enough or whether I've got it all together. If the confidence is in myself, then pretty much guaranteed you're not going to make it. But instead, we put our confidence in God, the author and the perfecter, the one who started it, the one who completed it. He's the one that we hold on to, the solid rock, the firm foundation. We build our lives on him, trusting that we will not be shaken. And I pray that would be us this morning. So know, Riley, Reuben, all of us here this morning, know that there is a promise of life in Jesus. Know that there are people in your corner. And know that there is a past faith that can fuel us forward because we see who God is through the testimonies of other people. We see it in his word. You see it in the books that you've got. You seriously have to read them. And you can see it all around us. People who testify to the goodness of God, to his strength and his grace. So I'm going to invite our youth band up. And we're going to sing this song. And you, it, it's from like a church in Sydney. So not like Hillsong, but City of Light is what they're called. So you might be familiar with it. You might not be. But in each verse, there is this line that says, to this I hold. And I love it because it's this sense of, man, sorry, I don't know why it keeps doing that. Anyway, there's this sense in these words, this song that, yeah, it's not always easy. There's challenges. But to this I hold. I grab a hold of Jesus, my only hope that my sin has been defeated, that my good shepherd will defend me. To this I hold, yet not I. It's not about me, but Christ in me. He's the hope of glory. He's the one in us. And so we, I just really pray that we'd sing this song. And sometimes at end of service we sing a song because, yeah, that's the thing we do. It's a nice way to finish. But I actually want to encourage you in this moment to make this song your prayer. Actually invite God again just to say, you know what? Yeah, I have been grabbing a hold of other things. I've been searching for life in different places. I've been going for refuge to different things, but actually I want to come back this morning and say, actually to this I hold. My hope is only Jesus. He's the one who will get me through. He's the one who will lead to life in all of its fullness. And regardless of our circumstance, that, that would be our collective confession that Jesus is the one. So let's stand and let's sing.